than the Struce. Congratulations, you've made it. Was recently happy to hear from Bastian Jaeger of VU Amsterdam, Department of Experimental and Applied Psychology. And it reminded me I want to read a paper of his published in Current Opinion Psychology called Psychological Barriers to Effective Altruism, an Evolutionary Perspective. And in case you were worried, it has a Creative Commons license, which means that I'm unlikely to be hauled off in handcuffs for reading it to you. Um, <clears throat> 4.0 by something, something, something. You are free to share, even adapt. Very nice. So this is a paper published in Current Opinion and Psychology, which is an Elsevier journal. So probably their university or their government paid a bunch of money to Elsevier, or maybe I think the Netherlands even negotiated an agreement with those guys. Maybe I'm wrong. Oh, sorry, a little bit of workman upstairs. While I'm reading this, I'm going to be taking some notes in the document itself. How can I do that? How can I take some notes in a hosted paper itself? Well, there's this tool called Hypothesis that I use that allows me and you and anyone to comment on anything hosted on the internet and see others' comments. I'm, they're not paying me. I think they're a nonprofit tool. It's hypothesis.is. I will put a link in the show notes or whatever it's called. So if you get a Hypothesis account and get the plugin, you can see my comments and add your own. Should be interesting chat. The paper is called, or the review paper, it's in Current Opinion in Psychology. It's called Psychological Barriers to Effective Altruism, colon, An Evolutionary Perspective. This is by Bastian Jaeger, I uh, hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly, and Mark Van Vucht. Van Vucht. Emotions, preferences, lay beliefs. Here we adopt an evolutionary perspective and highlight how these three fundamental motives, parochialism, status, and, conformi and conformity, can explain many seemingly disparate failures to do good effectively. Three fundamental motives, parochialism, fundamental motives, parochialism, status, and conformity can explain many seemingly disparate failures to do good effectively. Our approach outlines ultimate rather than proximate explanations for ineffective altruism, and we illustrate how fundamental motives can be leveraged to promote more effective giving. Keywords, effective altruism, evolutionary psychology, parochialism, conformity, status. I'm just going to jump to the end to see what papers they cited, because I was aware of this MIT group, I believe, who did a bunch of there's, I'm forgetting, I'm not good with names, but these game theory people that did a bunch of work on, um, yeah, there we are, Hoffman, evolutionary uh, explanation for ineffective altruism. Okay, moving back to the paper. Um, and I'm not going to check if they cited me. That's the, that's the dark underbelly of the psyche we try to avoid. Okay, one parentheses in effective altruism. Altruism has been defined as voluntary intentional behavior that results in benefits for another. And there the citation is, let's look, click on the old link, the relation of empathy to pro-social and related behaviors. But in Psychological Bulletin 1987, it's, it's pretty funny in academia, 
you always have to give an attribution to everything and you know the idea is you're, you're more grounded that way what is altruism according to this it's voluntary intentional behavior intentional behavior has a topic link that results in benefits for others and then you're looking at an article from 1987 uh, that you know that, I guess that's the, the seminal definition of altruism I don't know you you have to cite someone eh? however altruistic acts differ substantially in how much they benefit others a point highlighted by the effective altruism movement uh, footnote two, Peter Singer and three Will McCaskill, two leading lights in the effective altruism movement. For instance, providing one blind person in the United States with a guide dog costs around forty thousand dollars. That's a figure that's that's calculated quite a lot to, from Toby Ord's quoted quite a lot from Toby Ord's "The Moral Imperative Towards Cost Effectiveness in Global Health." Donating money to this cause may seem admirable, but the same amount of money could be used to cure approximately two thousand cases of trachoma. A bacterial infection of the eye that can lead to permanent blindness. Center for Global Development. Um, while it's true that treating trachoma or um, things that reduce the risk of trachoma is a much more effective way per dollar to prevent the harm caused by blindness than providing guide dogs to people in relatively wealthy countries. Um, and there's even more effective things you might be able to do to present, prevent suffering in general. That particular figure of the $20 to procuring blindness through surgery is overstated, and the people who are touting it, like Peter Singer, have actually recanted it in a sense and said, okay, I wish we hadn't put this particular number forward, um, because it, it is unrealistic. So while the, there is an order of magnitude difference in the effectiveness between charities, uh, it is not the case that every $20 pays for a surgery that otherwise would not have occurred that will cure blindness. And there was some discussion on the EA forum uh, about whether it's okay to make claims that are wrong if they cause people to correct in the quote right direction and pretty much people decided no it's not okay because it reduces your integrity, people won't believe you in the future, it's not going to be something that's going to lead to systematic uh, wins for you. That said, they did say could and not does, but you can see how those could be interpreted similarly. So I would avoid that particular comparison. Donating uh, money to this cause may seem admirable, but blah, 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 could be used to cure approximately 2,000 cases of trachoma. We just discussed that. Charities differ substantially in their effectiveness, parentheses, e.g. the number of lives saved or illnesses cured per dollar donated. And here they cite uh, Peter, uh, sorry, Toby Ord again, who cites development economists, etc. And they cite Caviola, Schubert, and Nemero in judgment decision-making. The paper is about something else, but they do have citations to this. While many people engage in altruistic acts to benefit others, an emerging body of research suggests that people's altruism is surprisingly ineffective. Um, here they cite some of the same authors they cited before, uh, Caviola et al., uh, Baroom, Nowak, and Hoffman, um, Berman et al., um, and those are, they're mostly citing papers where the claim is made and references are given 
to other uh, to other papers and other work uh, showing or demonstrating the differences in the effectiveness of, of charities. Um, so I, I would suggest I would think that the the it's not really necessary to cite all of those papers in order to demonstrate the claim that altruism is surprisingly ineffective. Uh, that could just be done by looking at the the differences in the ratings of charities and, and effectiveness of charities and, and something that looks at that particularly. They're citing those papers. You know, it is useful, however, for people who are interested in this work to see what else has been written about this, because that is literature in the same areas this paper is, is discussing. Returning to the text, uh, for a comprehensive review, see, uh, um, and that, that links Luke Caviola et al., The Psychology of Ineffective Altruism. People are generally unaware of where their donations will have the greatest, the largest impact. And here they're citing, again, the many obstacles to effective altruism, the uh, caviola and all, at all. Um, they do not search for information on charity's impact, citing Metzger and Gunther, a, a particular lab experiment, and often prefer less effective over more effective charities. And here they say Caviola et al., the many obstacles to effective giving, uh, about debunk, which is all a paper about debunking. But people, even when things are, their beliefs, their quote false beliefs are debunked, people still often choose the less effective charities. Um, and they also cite Berman et al., the role of subjective preferences in which an experiment was run basically more or less the experiment was asking people would it be appropriate for someone to use their um, to use their own subjective preferences in this setting or should they rely on the numbers and figures and they present a charity setting and several other settings and people agree assent with the idea that it's okay to use subjective preferences in the charity setting um, so that's 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 the the, the state of the evidence the, in general Continuing, donation decisions are surprisingly unaffected by charities' effectiveness, even when this information is explicitly provided. And here they cite Metzger and Gunther, this this uh, lab experiment, um, which I recall had had certain limitations other than it just being a lab experiment. Uh, there was um, then Carlin and Woods, which is a pretty strong field experiment. The effective effectiveness, donor response to aid effectiveness, a lot of effectiveness is there in a direct mail fundraising experiment, which found basically no effect overall. They looked at some subgroups where there was an effect. Um, I can't remember how close to zero or how tight that null effect was. That's something I'm, I'm going to look into in more detail in my own work. Um, oh, he's, he did cite me. Okay. Empathic, empathic and numeric giving, Berg and Reinstein. Um, and yeah, I mean, to some extent, our evidence was bounded at a small effect at most, but there were also, it also, I mean, there's still left open the possibility that there could have been some effect in certain contexts. Okay. Um, and again, I want to analyze my data and others' data a bit more carefully and, and aggregately, but this is not about me. Sorry about that. Let's move on. What can explain the disparity between people's goal to benefit others and their failure to do so effectively? Previous studies have uncovered various psychological factors, 
that explain ineffective giving. And it's the same papers recited. For example, geographically and socially distant others, e.g. people living in extreme poverty in Africa, evoke less empathetic concer empathic concerns, even though they stand to benefit most from charitable acts. And here he cites Kogut et al., the role of psychological distance and victims' identifiability in making donations decisions. How far is the suffering? I would always like to see what the nature of this evidence is. Um, remind, remind the reader, is it people not donating? Is it people saying that they feel less empathy, etc., etc.? Uh, next paper, I don't think I've read this one, Bias Benevolence, the Perceived Morality of Effective Altruism Across Social different Distance. So looking at the abstract of that, it says, is altruism always morally good? Blah, blah, blah. Across four studies, we reveal that in cases of realistic trade-offs and social distance for gains in welfare where helping socially distant others necessitates not helping others, socially closer others with the same resources, helping is deemed as less morally acceptable. So it's deemed, deemed whatever deemed means, less morally acceptable to help socially distant others at the cost of socially closer others. I suppose helping people in Africa at the cost of helping people in United States or England or something else. Uh, making helping decisions at a cost to socially closer others uh, also negatively affects judgments of relationships quality. So this is probably something about how people perceive you worse if you are cost if you're cost calculating in your other regarding behavior rather than uh, just helping whoever's right in front of you and and being emotional and the ideas that that people want others who are emotionally empathetic to those near them. Uh, sorry, I'm reading the abstract of this other paper. Uh, judgments of relationship quality. Oh, wait, maybe I do know this paper. I know this stuff. And in turn, decreases cooperative behavior with the helper. So people don't like to help that person, I suppose, in some game or something as much. So I identified a paper here that I want to read. Law et al. Biased Benevolence. And I want to save it to make sure I read it and, and reference it and use it in the meta-analyses and reviews that I'm working on related to this. How do I do that? I have Zotero tool open, and I have a plugin in my browser that allowed me to add it to a particular folder of Zotero. And also, uh, these should integrate, but they don't. I have a, an Airtable a shared Airtable giving researchers shared. I add Fiore et al. to that. I paste in the DOI, which is the dynamic object something something, which is sort of the one place to look to identify a piece of a paper or a piece of research. And then I want it to show up within the impact public view. So I add it under barriers to EAG, uh, add it to that column of my Airtable, or I add something connecting it to a barrier. And the barrier this seems to connect to is distance, sorry, is social perceptions. Uh, and no, what was it again? It was social perceptions and signaling empathy versus effectiveness. That's what it seems to be closest to. So now it's in there. And hopefully I shall remember to come back to that and incorporate the evidence and discussion in the right. And in that Giving Barriers project, I'm trying to give more of a detailed and rigorous picture of the evidence than people have space to present in 
the literature review uh, of a paper like like this one, which is needs to be brief. Socially distant others. Okay, <clears throat> evidence for that 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 people there's some evidence that geographically and socially distant others evoke less empathetic concerns. Um, people's response to the suffering of others does not scale linearly, but diminishes as the number of affective individuals increases. A phenomenon that has been referred to as compassion fade, cites Vostfall et al. 2014, or Psychophysical numbing, uh, Dickert et al. and Paul Slovic. If I look at the mass, I will never act. Sorry, going back to my usual editorializing about the way that social psychology papers state things, which is probably just a convention. But what I don't like, and you know, maybe they do this just to save space. Um, what I don't like is they just state things very concretely as if it's a fact of the universe that people's response to the suffering of others diminishes as the number of effective individuals increases. So there's three papers finding some evidence for this, but it's stated as if this is a universal truth like the universal law of gravitation. Um, when in fact, you know, we know that there has been a lot of social psychology evidence that has not held up in replication. And even if it did, you're looking at one particular context. Anyway, sorry for the editorializing. In fact, back to the paper, in fact, people experience more positive affect when helping a single identified individual than when helping the many. Uh, same paper cited Vostfall and then Small and Lowenstein, altruism and identifiability. So the claim is here that actually people, when I see more people, not only do I not care more, I actively care less about those people. Um, and then the second claim is that the extent to which I feel good from helping one person is much greater than the extent to which I feel good when helping many people. Those are the claims, two papers cited. People also prefer to donate to causes to which they feel emotionally attached, even when those causes are less effective. Cites Caviola et al. again, and Berman et al., the role of subjective preferences. Again, the evidence is not super strong, although it's this case it's kind of an obvious statement that people prefer to donate to causes which they feel attached to, uh, even when they are less effective. Okay, but how much less effective, I guess, would be the question. Certainly, there'd be some trade-off. These studies, prior studies, have mostly focused on proximate explanations for ineffective altruism. Proximate, e.g., empathy, positive as affect. Leaving open the question, of why these motivations operate in the way they do. So proximate as in the thing that causes me to be ineffective like right then and there. Why, I, I'm just guessing basically, but what proximate being like, what is the thing that I feel or the motivation I have in the moment when I make that decision? 
Okay, leaving opening the question, leaving open the question of why these motivations operate in the way they do, but C, but C, six, Burroughs and Hoffman, evolutionary explanation, and 20, Hansen's book, uh, Robin Hansen and someone similar book, The Elephant in the Brain. I, that When it says but C, I usually assume that that means that the referee said, hey, you forgot to cite these things, but I could be wrong. Here we provide an overview of potential ultimate explanations by outlining how fundamental motives, i.e. motives that likely evolved because they solved key challenges in humans' ancestral past, can create psychological barriers to effective altruism. Section 2, Ultimate Explanations for Ineffective Altruism. Why are pro-social emotions and motivations often not sensitive to how much they improve others' welfare? We argue that various aspects of humans' evolved psychology predispose us to give ineffectively. Several fundamental psychological motives that evolved because they aided the survival and reproductive success of individuals may favor ineffective over effective altruistic choices. Two papers cited. In the present review, we highlight three key motives, parochialism, status, and conformity. 2.1. Parochialism. Natural selection favors psychological adaptations that promote the survival and reproductive success of individuals. Citing Foundations of Evolutionary Psychology by Tubi et al. That's the sort of commonly known thing that probably doesn't need a citation, but I guess someone wanted a citation. For much of their evolutionary history, humans lived in relatively small, close-knit groups. This has led to the emergence of pro-social emotions and intentions towards kin and other members of an individual's in-group, but not necessarily towards individuals who fall outside of the group's boundaries. A few papers cited there. Green Moral Tribes, this looks like a book, and Actipus in Nature Human Behavior, Understanding Cooperation Through Fitness Interdependence. In other words, humans tend to be parochial, we show concern for, quote, us, but not them. Parochialism can lead to ineffective altruism because a lot of human suffering occurs far away. Especially for people who live in affluent societies, donations have a larger impact abroad. Give well and, and others previously cited. Yet people feel less empathy for the suffering of distant others of distant others, and helping distant others is less obligatory than helping close others. Paul Bloom's Empathy and Its Discontents was cited there, and some of the previously cited papers, something called What We Owe to Family, The Impact of Special Obligations by McManus et al. Um, problem with these citations is I'm just never sure whether they're citing evidence, what sort of evidence they're citing, or whether they're citing an argument. Um, I guess like little side notes could help with that, or some way of citations differing. Anyways, okay, so, yeah, people feel less empathy for the suffering of distant others, and helping distant others is 
seen as less obligatory than helping close others. Instead, as reflected by the maxim that charity begins at home, many people prefer to donate locally and to organizations with which they have a personal connection. Okay, so it's Peter Singer and Berman. For example, one study found that Italian participants donated more to victims of an earthquake when they felt more connected to the area in which the earthquake occurred, i.e. central Italy. This is the Kogut et al. paper previously cited. Participants were also more likely to donate to a child in need when the child was described as living in their neighborhood rather than as living in the same city or country. Same citation. Parochialism also biases cost-benefit calculations that could lead to effective giving. Findings by Broom and colleagues demonstrate that ineffective giving is not due to a general failure to understand or consider effectiveness information. Participants were willing to give up more of their income when it would save five family members rather than one. Okay, I assume that's a hypothetical experiment right there. However, their willingness to help Strangers did not differ depending on whether they would save five rather than one. Again, I assume these were hypothetical judgments made. Uh, asking them, would you do this, would you do that? These results show that people can be sensitive to the impact of their altruistic actions, but they choose not to when actions benefit distant rather than close others. Thus, Parochialism can limit the effectiveness of altruistic acts because A, people prioritize helping close others over distant others, and B, when they help distant others, people are less likely to consider the potential Some impact things I'd of want their to altruism. dig into more here. I mean, of course, you, as you can guess, I don't love the way that these things are stated like universal truths based on one paper involving hypothetical decisions. Um, but uh, also, their willingness to help strangers did not differ depending on whether it would save five rather than one. Okay, how, to what extent, how, how tightly bounded was that result? Can we really rule out that they didn't, that there wasn't even a small difference? Um, and uh, the idea that they, so to say that they completely choose not to care about the impact when actions benefit distant others, it just feels too strong to me based on what seems to be very limited evidence reported in one paper. So let me try to summarize this. So parochialism is defined as caring for in-groups more than out-groups, maybe local in-groups, maybe there's a distance thing. Uh, there's a evolutionary reason that alluded to for parochialism, for care, I guess caring more about in rather than out. Um, so I guess they're giving the saying it's an ultimate explanation because they're saying, well, this is why people feel less empathy for distant others than for close others. Um, I like what they said, tying this to the charity begins at home maxim, which doesn't really make a lot of sense. It just feels right to a lot of people. Um, 
And, but the idea that it biases cost-benefit calculations, I don't, I'm not seeing that. I'm not seeing that as a bias to cost-benefit calculations, at least not how this is reported here. It seems like maybe people just are less sensitive to anything uh, when, when they're giving to five strangers in this hypothetical scenario. Uh, but would I call it a bias? I'm not sure. That doesn't it doesn't seem like necessarily a departure from optimization in a substantial Another thing I don't get is why would the evolutionary argument for parochialism bias cost-benefit calculations? I mean, I guess you would care less about people further away. But, so if you don't care, there can't be any sort of bias because there's nothing to calculate. And to the extent you do care, why should the fact that it's less important to you cause you to be biased in some way Section towards helping more versus status. fewer people? Humans are a social species whose success in survival and reproduction critically depends on their standing within their group. Individuals who are held in high esteem by others and who occupy high status positions in the group hierarchy experience various positive outcomes, such as privileged access to desirable mates. Cites so are Proceedings of the National Academy of Science paper, Rudin and Yegi, Men's Status and Reproductive Success, across 33 non-industrial societies. Okay, so high-status people have positive outcomes, such as privileged access to mates. People are therefore concerned with their reputation. They tend to engage in behaviors with reputational benefits and refrain from behaviors that entail reputational costs. And yes, there are two citations for that, really not necessary in my opinion. Acts of altruism are generally viewed positively by others, cited Durkee et al. Proceeding of National Academy of Sciences, 2020. As altruists benefit the people around them, they are preferred as social and romantic partners, cites Barclay and Willer, 2007. Partner choice creates competition Competitive altruism in humans. Mogigsley et al. Primacy of trust within romantic relationships. Some, something I don't understand. Okay, so altruists, they say, are claimed are preferred as social and romantic partners and sent, selected as leaders, citing Hardy and Vugd. Nice guys finish first. Personality and psychology built in. This can lead people to engage in costly behaviors that benefit others in order to reap the reputational benefits. Uh, Van Vucht, Vucht and Hardy, Cooperation for Reputation. And uh, Harbaugh, that's an old one I'm familiar with, What Do Donations Buy? A Model of Philanthropy Based on Prestige and Warm Glow. Uh, Harbaugh's work, uh, he had this evidence that people was like there was a loss I think it was something like contribute to your university and if you made donated more than a certain amount people uh, you would get a recognition tier or recognition status and he found very few donations were to be found below that amount but lots of them clustered just at or just above those amounts and he, he did a fancy economic optimization model there that embodied reputation I looked up the more likely to be selected as leaders. That paper, uh, I couldn't completely access it, or not easily because it was behind a paywall. Um, that seems to be just the in economics laboratory games. Uh, so people who, who maybe donated, gave more to a public good in one game 
or more likely to be chosen to represent the group in another game. Wouldn't it be nice if there were ways of citing papers that the citation itself gave you an indication of the quality of the evidence? Is it a field experiment, et cetera, et cetera? Was it, was it in a natural setting? Was it replicated? Because every citation just takes the same value if you have to go across it quickly, and okay, you don't know how strongly to judge the evidence. Although altruism is generally rewarded, several studies suggest that effective altruism is not. And here we got the Baroom study, Monte Alegre, uh, not yet in a journal, uh, does maximizing good make people look bad? And Yudkin at uh, all actions speak louder than outcomes in judgments of pro-social behavior. When praising others for their altruistic acts, observers are more sensitive to how costly the behavior was for the actor rather than how beneficial the act was for the target. Here, they, he cites, they cite um, Johnson, Dimensions of Altruism, Do Evaluations of Pro-Social Behavior Track Social Good or Personal Sacrifice, which is available on Psych Archive, nicely, and also Kawumara et al., Social Psychology, Effective Cost and Benefit of Pro-Social Behavior and Reputation. I had a look at the first one. It's available on the online Psych Archive. Anyone can access it. Um, I, it took me a while to get to the nature of what the evidence was. What sort of evidence is it that makes the case that people evaluate the costliness, which, which seems very plausible to me, that people evaluate uh, when praising others how costly it was for the actor rather than how beneficial it was for the target. Um, and I made it down. It's an MTurk looks to be a study on Mechanical Turk, six, sorry, a set of six studies. So let's see one of them. Participants read about a charitable donation benefiting people in a developing country. Uh, donations involved a lower or higher monetary contribution and lower and higher in benefit. So they tried to manipulate the personal sacrifice and the social good with mo both manipulations between subjects. So some Subjects, some participants in the experiment were told about, I guess, a low contribution, a low monetary contribution, and a low benefit of that contribution to the recipients. High, high, low, low, high, low, perhaps. These were vignettes. Julia decided to make a donation to a charity. She donated 200 or 2,000. It was used to cure a child or 10 children's blindness in Ethiopia. Now, what were the, was the outcome? What were the participants asked to do or, or choose? They were asked, please rate the moral praiseworthiness of Julia's action on a scale of zero, not very praiseworthy, to 10, extremely praiseworthy, and the actor's moral character. Please rate Julia's moral character on the scale from zero, ordinary moral character, to saint-like moral character. So the actions and the character, and they say the results is, that the participants use the degree of sacrifice to inform both judgments, and they present some statistics. Uh, character judgments were significantly more positive when sacrifice was higher. Mean, I guess, is 8.34 rating. 
when sacrifice was higher versus mean equals 7.81 rating when sacrifice was lower. SD standard deviation 1.86, p-value of 0.019. That doesn't seem like a dramatic difference to me. 8.34 out of 10 versus 7.81 out of 10. Uh, they did not differ when benefit was higher versus lower. When benefit was higher versus lower, M equals 8 point, mean of 8.11 versus mean of 7.95. Well, it is higher. It's not significantly differently higher, but this is a really classic mistake that, I mean, maybe they fixed it somewhere else, but they dealt with it somewhere else. But when I'm trying to look at a difference in difference, I need to test specifically that difference in difference, not just say it was significant in one test, but not in the difference was significant in one test, but not in the other. Therefore, it's interpreting this as a significant difference in difference. Um, so, uh, and they, they have a, a chart here uh, where we see upward sloping for both, really. So in other words, upward sloping in the amount allegedly contributed, how you rate the character and the praise worthiness. But then they draw, they have that upward sloping line, but they have two separate lines, one for effect, a low effectiveness contribution and one for a higher effectiveness contribution. The character ratings look to be almost identical between the two, Stand, you know, and that's the same for, for all levels of contribution, whether or not it was effective or not, looks to be most basically overlapping. I perhaps couldn't rule out a small effect. Um, but then when I look at the prey and I look at the praise, it does seem to be somewhat higher for the low contribution person and perhaps for the medium contribution person when there was greater effectiveness, but those confidence intervals overlap. But is that enough to make a strong judgment that there is a difference or that the di difference was smaller than the difference with respect to contribution? I'm not sure. Maybe. Um, okay, it looks like they did some fancy multi-level modeling of this, which I won't look at now. I don't want to really weigh in on this study, but that's the nature of the evidence there. Let me look at the other study that's cited here uh, about to claim, to support the claim that people seem to care about the sacrifice and not the amount achieved. The second study is uh, Kawamura et al., Effects of Cost and Benefit of Pro-Social Behavior and Reputation 2020, published in Social, Psychological, and Personality Science. Quoting from their abstract, in study one, participants read a series of vignettes about a protagonist incurring a cost to benefit another individual and rated the warmth and competence of each protagonist. Although benefit, I guess they mean the benefit achieved by the other individual as a result of these actions, Although benefit enhanced both perceived warmth and competence, cost enhanced only perceived warmth. Um, and they say they independently manipulated cost and benefits. So what I guess I'm interpreting that as if, and they say studies 2A and 2B uh, manipulated these separately and confirmed the results of study one. So what how I'm interpreting this is if I hold cost the same, the cost incurred the same, uh, 
and I raise the benefit achieved, well then, I assess you as both more warm and more competent, which doesn't, which doesn't tell me that people don't care at all about benefit. Um, and it says cost, it, but cost enhanced only perceived warmth. So holding the benefit constant, so you did a lot of good. If it cost you more, I do see you as more warm, which does suggest that, okay, there is something that people do reward the amount sacrificed in terms of reputation, irrespective of what is achieved. On the other hand, the fact that you were rewarded or the reputation of the in, assigned to someone in a vignette was raised when the benefit was increased and the perceived competence increased, to me that would support the idea that being an effect, effective in one's altruism might actually be good for your reputation. Coming back to the actual survey after that long digression. Okay, so we said, although altruism is generally rewarded, several studies suggested that effective altruism is not. And obviously I, I had some doubts about how strong that was. When praising others for their altruistic acts, observers are more sensitive to how costly the behavior was for the actor rather than how beneficial the act was for the target. 38, see also 39. These, I imagine, were sort of lab-based experiments with small gains and small sacrifices. Altruistic acts led to more praise if they were more costly to the actor, even if these higher costs did not generate more benefits. And this cites Olivola CY, which looks to be a survey paper. Uh, even if these higher costs did not generate more benefits, or 40, or any benefits at all. And here they cite the, their own, or Van Vocht and Hardy's paper that I, that I mentioned. Moreover, altruistic acts do not lead to more praise if they generate more benefits for the same costs, Baroom et al. Thus, the outcome of effective altruism, a cost-effective maximization of others' welfare, is not socially rewarded. See my caveats about the limitations to the evidence. The decision-making process that leads to effective altruism is not rewarded either. The effective altruism movement advocates for evidence-based reasoning to identify and support the most cost-effective charities. However, in the context of charitable giving, rational decision-making is viewed negatively. A series of studies by Monte Allegra and colleagues showed that donors who are driven by effectiveness concerns rather than emotional concerns were rated as less moral and less desirable partners. Quick look into the nature of those studies by Monte Allegra et al. Um, Monte Allegra, Bush, David Moss, etc. Um, these were studies run on M. Turk, if I recall correctly, Mechanical Turk. Um, what, what else do they say here? Um, all, all samples were Mechanical Turk participants based in the U.S. Um, and the study one, description of a person who elicited, who exhibited either deliberative or empathic decision mode. Um, information given about the person's uh, fictitious response, which was presented as real to a survey question. 
And then participants evaluated the moral character, traits, empathy, integrity, reasonableness, and competence motives, authentic pro-social motivation, desirability of social partners, and trustworthiness. In studies using this scenario, one to four, so they did several studies with that. Um, so they evaluated this person's fictitious response. The person's response was something like, I would use evidence to calculate which charity spends its donations more cost-effectively and donate to them, or empathic, empathetic, empathic reproach. I would try to put myself in the shoes of a person who's going through difficult situations and donate to a charity that helped them. Uh, claimed that it was selected by random from a survey on political attitudes conducted by the Pew Research Center, some other things trying to uh, make it remove possible biases, and then what do they find? They find participants rated empathic respondents higher in empathy. Okay, that's the cold manipulation checks. Did it do what they wanted? Uh, deliberative respondents evaluated as less guided by moral principles. Um, failed to find differences in integrity. Tuck, tuck, tuck. Um, between participant manipulation. In study one, study two was both simultaneously. Uh, deliberative respondents were evaluated higher in reasonableness, competence, and pragmatic motives, but lower in moral character, moral motives, and desirability as social partners. Uh, now they did a between design in study two. Um, empathetic respondents were rated higher in empathy, of course. Deliberators lower in moral character um okay but but not everything was was super strong in addition to that um ta -ta -ta. their third study the third study um study three uh they tried to deal with this gender possibility something about gender predicted a non-significant interaction between decision approach and gender and a main effect of decision approach what do they find in that one they found that main effects uh manip empathetic response were rated higher in empathy failed to find interaction effects by gender although how tightly bounded i'd, I'd want to well, they do give confidence intervals i'd have to judge those in context uh, failed to find main expect effects of gender. Uh, de again, deliberative respondents rated lower in moral character, though higher in reasonableness, and maybe and competence. More, maybe most importantly, they were perceived as less guided by moral motives, more guided by pragmatic motives, and less desirable as social partner. They failed to find one particular effect, but yeah, uh, power, sample size. Okay, so... I think we get the sense of, of these uh, studies. Um, what about the last? Okay, what about the last one? I'm sorry, the fourth one. Uh, evaluate a respondent who exhibited a deliberate or empathic approach to donating a very large or small amount of money. So maybe they want to see how that moderated with the amount donated. Uh, Stakes didn't have a main effect. Uh, I guess they found... The, I guess the, the most more important thing is, were deliberative respondents perceived as less guided by moral motives? Were they perceived as less desirable as social partners? Seems to be uh, 
once again, although they don't always seem to find an effect on pro-social motivation. Uh, even maybe it's going in the wrong direction, or I'm not, it's hard for me to interpret from the, the results I'm seeing here. Okay, okay, I'm, I'm doing too much. Study five and study six. All right, let's go back to the original one. A series of studies by Monte Alegre and colleagues showed the donors driven by effectiveness concerns rather than emotional concerns were rated as less moral and less desirable partners. This may be true. This may be due to the fact that people believe emotions to be an honest signal of altruistic intentions. Although that seems to be slightly overstating some of the conclusions of the study, which didn't always find the result for altruistic intentions per se. Although perhaps he's just stating this as a reasonable channel. Altruism that is driven by emotions is perceived as more genuine. This cites uh, Barash et al. 2014. Uh, some, some of the studies there, I, I'm going to say, don't ex perhaps say what, what's being claimed. In particular, just reading the abstract, uh, says pro-social actors who are motivated by the expectation of emotional rewards are judged differently than pro-social actors who are motivated by other benefits, such as reputation, reputational or material rewards. Clearly, the effective altruist is not motivated by reputational or material rewards. Maybe some other part of that paper does provide convincing evidence to some extent that uh, altruism driven by emotions is perceived as more genuine. But this is why I like to narrowly cite evidence in terms of what is actually the evidence from the study rather than what is the interpretation given to the evidence. This incentivizes people to rely on emotions, e.g. feelings of empathic concern, rather than reasoning, e.g. cost-benefit analysis, even though emotion-based altruism is usually less effective. For instance, people are more moved by the plight of a single individual than by the suffering of many. Citations, three citations there. I've seen um, meta-analysis and, and sort of review studies that, that do conclude that, in fact, there is a broad range of evidence on what's called in support of the identifiable victim's effect, although perhaps smaller than sometimes reported. I recently heard someone claiming that, that this is actually not a robust result, um, but I can't find the link, so that's, that's a bit lame of me. But I didn't check into it and can't find the link, so uh, don't put too much stock in that. Let's assume it is a robust and replicated result that, that shines through. Natural disasters are often accompanied by extensive media coverage that vividly communicates others' suffering. This motivates many people to donate to disaster relief, even though donations tend to bring about larger welfare gains when they address other issues such as extreme poverty or public health. Thus, reputational concerns can lead to ineffective altruism because others, A, do not reward altruistic acts that do more good, B, punish altruists who rely on deliberate reasoning, and C, reward altruists who rely on emotions. At least that's the claim, and there seems to be some evidence supporting it, but I'm not sure myself how strong that evidence is. Some of it, as we saw, seemed to be a bit mixed. Okay, so the first... Uh, ultimate explanation was parochialism, natural selection favoring people, feel, helping people that are closer to their in-group, more related to them, etc., etc. 
Um, and then they say parochialism can lead to ineffective altruism because a lot of human suffering occurs far away, which, in fact, maybe the depth of the need being further away, being larger, is, in fact, a consequence of this parochialism. Just a thought. So parochialism, status, um, the idea that being effective in altruism may not be rewarded, and, in fact, it might even be punished, but I'm not sure how strong the evidence is there. Which brings us to the third ultimate explanation that they cite, namely, conformity. Conformity. When trying to forge a tool, when deciding whether a berry is safe to eat, and when considering how to best construct shelter, it often pays off to copy others' behavior. Conformist tendencies have been observed in many species, including non-human primates, fish, and even plants. In humans, decades of research on social norms have identified a myriad of behaviors that are influenced by what others do, i.e. by descriptive norms. The power of descriptive norms has also been documented in the domain of charitable giving. People are more likely to donate when they believe or explicitly told that most others have donated. They are also most likely to donate when it is the default, which can partly be explained by the fact that people infer the descriptive norms from the presence of defaults. And they give three citations there. Let's take a look. So let's see what the evidence is for conformity in the charitable domain, perhaps explained by herding, as economists think of it, perhaps uh, some, some other mechanism there. So reference 48 is the mimicry in plants one. I think that's a misplaced reference. Reference 49 is social influence, compliance, and conformity. I think these references are out of sync here because that doesn't seem to be explicitly about charity. Uh, reference 50 is doing good by doing nothing, the role of social norms by explaining default effects in altruistic contexts. Let's dig into that one. That paper by Everett et al., European Journal of Social Psychology. I'll just read from their abstract. In four experiments, we found that participants were more likely to donate money to charity when this was the default option um, in an altruistic choice context. Participants perceived the default option to be the socially normative option, and perceptions of social norms mediated the relationship between default status and charitable donations. Uh, mediation analysis is a bit tricky. I'm a bit skeptical of it. And for a transfer effect whereby participants translated social norms, they inferred from the default option in one domain into behavior in a second related domain. So what was the nature of this experiment? Uh, 177 MTurk participants paid 50 cents, option of keeping an additional bonus of 50 cents. So it's a bit low stakes. Whether the, f the money would be paid to them by default or donated to a charity as by default, and I suppose they had to switch it from the other. Uh, perceived social norms were manipulated by... Um, uh, was by... Um, they were asked two questions concerning perceived social norms and of what, of what proportion do you think donated the bonus to the charity? Okay, so what do they find is that 35% donated, statistically significantly different than the 20% who donated when the default option was to keep the bonus money. Social norms. 
Um, participants perceived a greater social norm to donate when this was the default. Okay, but that seems plausible because they made it the default. 50% versus 30% perceived that as the social norm. Then they did mediation analysis, which I think is rather problematic. Um, there's a bunch of papers. Look, in the, in the leadership business literature, but also in the econometric literature, uh, Heckman, I believe, and Pinto, if I'm remembering correctly, that call a lot of doubt into standard mediation approaches. Um, what else? The next study... Charity default versus charity non-default. Uh, okay, the only thing that differed was the charity. I don't know why that one is different. Um, what they But they found a different default effect. Uh, weaker social norms when the charity was Greenpeace. I don't know. I'm not going to dig into that. I don't know if the difference in differences is, is substantial. Um, I hope they didn't just find a zero effect or find a null effect in the latter study. I hope they, they actually show that there's a difference in differences there. But, of course, differences across studies are also hard to know because difference in recruiting, et cetera, et cetera. Study three um, involved a checkbox. Uh, inclusion of general injunctive norms. So it looks like they maybe they have uh, ex, ex, um, exogenous shifting of the norms rather than relying on mediation analysis. Let's see. MTurk again. 81, 152 uh, participants. Uh, 50 cents to be donated. Uh, okay. Default effects happened again. 81% versus 19%. What about the social norms? Participants perceived stronger descriptive and injunctive social norms when this was the default we already discussed that um i think it's the same mediation analysis that's my impression here study four um predicted a transfer effect to an actual altruistic context uh okay uh this probably um is too complicated for me to read right at the moment. And that's a second-order effect, the transfer effect into another context. That said, um, I've read experiments, been involved with experiments, run experiments, and there is a variety of other evidence that people do tend to follow the norm in a charitable context. For instance, they respond to a leader's donation. If the leader donates more, they tend to donate more. That's my consensus of, of the evidence. Um, they also respond to, for instance, these, there's this famous radio-ish, famous radio uh, appeal where they ask, they, they mentioned the last, one of the last people donated X amount. Would you like to donate? If that X amount is larger, people tend to donate more. Uh, there's another, I think that's Croson and all possibly, or Shang, I might be mixing it up. And then there's another one, another study where, um, I'm, I'm forgetting the author's name, Alpazar maybe, in Costa Rica, if I'm remembering correctly, where they, uh, I think they say something about the previous person who donated at a national park. Another context, um, there's, I'm forgetting the guy's name, sorry, where you see a, do, a 
in a museum, a box either filled with money or with little money, people tend to follow, or I think it was with bills versus coins, people tend to follow the norm. Not surprising that there should be conformity, but let's see how does this, is, why is this particularly relevant for effectiveness? They are also more likely to donate when it is the default, which can be partly explained by the fact that people infer descriptive norms from the presence of defaults. That, that seems plausible, and that's what we saw in that, in, the, in that study that was mentioned. I think the reference numbers are shifted over, though, there. When many people engage in less effective forms of giving, e.g., due to parochial tendencies or reputational concerns, this can create a descriptive norm that leads even more people to give ineffectively. That is, people might choose a less effective option simply because they know or simply believe that many others would also choose it. The influence of descriptive norms is likely exacerbated by two features of charitable giving. First, there are many charities that people could donate to. Even if people are motivated by effectiveness concerns, it is often clear un, it is often unclear where their contribution would achieve the most good. Second, people often make donations decisions, donation decisions without much deliberation. These features of the decision-making process, uncertainty about what the best option is, and reliance on intuition have been shown to lead to a stronger reliance on social norms. Two references there. I'm not sure how that could show that if particular if then. In short, conformist tendencies can increase rates of ineffective giving because people may A, copy others' ineffective giving, or B, stick to ineffective defaults. This seems rather convincing to me. I think the evidence on conformity and default effects and inertia, perhaps, is, is, seems to be pretty strong, and it, it's very much intuitive. Um, what this fails to explain, though, is, I mean, this is just basically saying that there will be inertia, that if people are being ineffective, then other people will follow them in being ineffective, and that might continue to propagate itself. That doesn't explain why, perhaps, why ineffective charities should have become the norm in the first place or why they should remain the norm that suggests that if the norm were switched then if a norm of effective charities could be established then that would also be persistent and sticky uh, the other thing that he mentions is sticking to ineffective defaults um, what i'm actually curious and i think that that perhaps to some extent the default charities in many contexts are ineffective you know at the supermarket they ask me do I want to give to the local Cub Scouts? Do I want to give to this and that local festival? Uh, but I don't know. I mean, is that just, I guess that seems almost to be just coming from the conformity thing to begin with or the parochialism to begin with. So I'm not sure that I would convey conformity, conformity as a real convincing ultimate explanation for ineffective giving. Um, I mean, my neighbors should be conforming to me if I give effectively just as much as the reverse, for example. So I think the, the parochialism definitely strikes a chord with me. I mean, and it, it seems very plausible. Status, at least the, the argument that, that you can, that I've heard before, that you can signal your empathy to others close to you by being emotional and and maybe parochial in your in your in your altruism that that sounds pl fairly plausible to me although the evidence isn't as strong as maybe we'd like maybe we need more evidence but the third one conformity i believe it exists i just don't 
see it as an ultimate explanation. It's more of an explanation for uh, inertia. What's more, I didn't see any evidence presented, although I didn't look in great detail, but they didn't highlight evidence presented that there's particular conformity or inertia in the domain of a, or particularly conformity or response to default in the domain of effective versus ineffective giving. We saw, yes, conformity to the norm of giving versus not giving, perhaps, but not to giving effectively versus ineffectively. Um, at least I didn't see any papers cited, and they didn't highlight that particular type of evidence. Summary and implications. Even though donors and charities often highlight their desire to make a difference in the lives of others, an accumulating body of research demonstrates that altruistic acts are surprisingly ineffective in maximizing others' welfare. To explain the ineffective altruism, previous investigations have largely focused on emotions, the role of emotions, beliefs, preferences, and other proximate causes. Here we adopted an evolutionary perspective to understand why these proximate mechanisms evolved in the first place. We outlined how three fundamental motives that likely evolved because they helped solve key challenges in humans' ancestral past, parochialism, status, and conformity, can create psychological barriers to effective giving. Our framework not only provides a parsimonious explanation for many proximate causes of ineffective giving, but also provides an ultimate explanation for why these mechanisms exist. Although parochialism, status concerns, and conformity can explain many forms of ineffective giving, there are additional causes that we did not address here. For example, many people focus too much on overhead costs when deciding where to donate. I believe the evidence is rather strong for that. Everyday altruism is multifaceted. People donate to charity, volunteer, give in church, and engage in various random acts of kindness. These diverse acts of altruism likely require diverse explanations, and more research is needed to understand the relative importance of different psychological factors for explaining different forms of altruism. So they're suggesting there may be just some heterogeneity here, context dependence also. Moreover, of the three fundamental motives reviewed here, conformity to social norms has probably received the least attention when it comes to explaining ineffective altruism. While there is ample evidence showing that social norms affect the decision of whether and how much to donate, more research is needed to understand how social norms influence the decision of where to donate and how they can lead to ineffective giving. Okay, that's what I was suggesting. How can people be encouraged to do more good with their altruistic acts? Our review highlights three important points. First, ineffective altruism is a complex problem. There are many different psychological barriers, and addressing just one will likely have a limited influence. Notably, this also means that lab-based experiments may overstate, may overestimate the impact of interventions. So there's, they say there's many different barriers, and addressing one will likely have a limited influence, many hurdles to jump. This means, they say, that lab-based experiments may overestimate the impact of interventions if they do not capture the various causes of ineffective altruism that operate in everyday life. Okay. Second, interventions will be more successful when they take into account the ultimate causes of ineffective altruism, similar to medical interventions that target the cause of the disease rather than treat its symptoms. Just a, a small note of, of skepticism about that there. Um, I mean, those ultimate causes were deep evolutionary mechanisms. Obviously, we're not 
we're not proposing to change the way evolution works or how humans are evolved. Um, but let's see what they do suggest. Third, the three fundamental motives highlighted here may provide promising targets for encouraging effective altruism. To leverage parochialism, guess they mean to reduce parochialism, interventions should aim to broaden people's moral circle and encourage them to value the welfare of those that fall outside their in-group. Wondering what paper they cite there. That's citation 53. Avoiding, ah, the citations are off in this. That's, that's a shame. We pay all these monies to these journal companies like Elsevier and then pay more for them to not lock it up. I think they mean 54, Towards a Psychology of Moral Expansiveness by, um, who is this, by uh, Crimston, Horney, Bain, and Bastion. Okay, so um, to leverage or counter parochialism, dot, 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 expand, broaden moral circle, value the welfare of those outside their in-group. To leverage status concerns, individuals, organizations, societies should converse, confer social rewards on those who do the most good with their donations. Mm -hmm. To leverage conformity, effective charities should be set as the default. Effective altruistic acts by others should be made public, and societies should create a culture of giving, in quotes, in which giving to maximize the welfare of others is the norm. In short, more good can be achieved when effective forms of giving are compatible with people's fundamental motives. And that's the end of this, um, this sort of review article, Psychological Barriers to Effective Altruism and Evolutionary Perspective. But to get a really good perspective on things, you're going to have to crawl around, root around, and go to the very corner or to the very edge to see what might be found in the struce.
found in the Struis.